this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Okay, stay standing please for a moment because we are very blessed. You know, Jamie Malcolm, as you may know, he's a world-class communicator. You may have seen him on television. He's a friend of our church. We've had him here before and uh, we've had him a number of times for good reason because he's not just a, a you know, a good-looking, funny guy that you see on telly. He has got the, well, did I say not even? No, it's not just, sorry. Uh, but he, you know, he carries a love for God and the Word of God and he's, he's written a couple couple of books about the Christian journey as well uh, with you know really good uh, uh, insight and revelation and so that's why we love the fact that he's, he's carrying uh, you know a word from God we believe that'll bless you today welcome him please thanks pastor Chris slightly moist tiny tiny vet that's weird hey good to see you Good to see you, you amazing dude. So good to be here. Central Coast, one hour door to door. Who would have thunk it? It's just round the corner. You're beautiful. Let's pray before we sit down again, I promised last time. Father, thanks for today. Thanks for your presence. Holy Ghost, we welcome you here. We love you. Uh, when the Holy Ghost is here, things happen. And Holy Ghost, Jesus said, um, Jesus said, I'm going to go and I'm going to send the next guy. I always call the Holy Ghost the next guy. It's amazing, isn't it? You can imagine the disciples would have gone, I thought you were the guy. And he said, I am the guy. And there's another guy. And uh, he said, I'm going to get to heaven, going to tag team the next guy, and he's going to show up. And he'll fill you with power, and he'll guide you into all truth. And he'll set you free in all areas of your life. He was saying, this isn't the end, this is just the beginning. When this guy gets here, things are going to get revved up, and things are going to be amazing. So Holy Spirit, thank you. (laughs) We love you. You're wonderful. We honour you today. Fill us, change us, make us amazing like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sit down. So I um, love you. Thanks, uh, Pastor Chris and Ruth for having us. Um, we love you guys. And you really do have amazing pastors. Everybody loves your pastors, like everybody. It's ridiculous, but they really do. I'm just upping the brightness on my phone. Doop. Good. And the size. Uh, Hey, I'm going to preach a message this morning. It's called How to Sleep in a Storm. How to Sleep in a Storm. I'm going to start with Mark 4, 37, 38. Who has heard me preach before? Who who has never seen me preach before? Never? Oh, there's a few. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Hopefully it's all right. Um, Mark 4, 37 to 38 in the NIV says this. A furious squall came up. I think it's a storm. I'll double check. It's not a bird or something, is it? A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, which is the back, I think, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I think it's amazing. So 13 of them on a boat, Jesus and 12 disciples on a boat, going from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. Storm comes up. And out of the 13, 12 of them are freaking out. These are seasoned sailors. They know when a storm is bad. They know when it could end in death. And the 
all of them are absolutely freaking out, yet one of them is asleep. He's not relaxed. He's not trying to keep calm. He's not in the back of the boat going, come on, I'm the son of God. Keep calm, keep calm. Don't I look like an idiot in front of these guys? You know, he's not trying to keep calm. He's like, uh, ladies, any of you got a, like in, you know, a husband when they sleep, it's an ugly sleep. You know, it's like, uh, one eye flickering open and dribbling. I don't know if Jesus was like that, but he's asleep. I, the more I read this scripture, the more it blows my mind. He's not trying to relax. He's flipping asleep like he's dead to the world. He's like, oh, gone. Absolutely asleep. Twelve freaking out, one asleep. What's the difference? Because all of them are in exactly the same situation. All of them are in the storm. Twelve are freaking out. One is not trying to relax. One is actually totally and completely comatosed and asleep. What is the difference? Well, it seems that all of them had a storm on the outside, but not all of them had a storm on the inside. That seems to be the difference, that all of them were going through hell, but not all of them had hell going through them. I just thought of that. That's really good. That's really good. I read this great quote the other day uh, from Jim Rohn, a great old motivational speaker. I love him. And he said this. He said, an, an entire sea of water can't sink a ship. An entire sea of water can't sink a ship unless it gets on the inside. So man, that is amazing. And then I was reading this crazy scripture. So this is Proverbs 4.23. It says this, Guard your heart more than any treasure or more than anything else. For it is, your heart, is the source of your life. Think of a source of a river. Or in other words, it says, and I looked at every other version on Bible Hub, and it says, your life flows from your heart. And I read that and I think, God, I actually think you might have got that wrong. Because you're talking about my life? Really? My heart is the source of my life? My life is the way I think, the way I act, the way I feel, all my attitudes, the deals I've got going on with relationships, all of that. No, 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 no. That stuff, the way I am and talk and think and feel and act, that's dictated to by the condition of my circumstances, God. You've got it wrong. But God's going, no, Jamie, you've got it wrong. The way you act, the way you feel, the way you react, your attitudes, your relationships and all this stuff, the way you do business and all that, that's a reflection of the condition of your heart. That's crazy. So all of it comes out of here. I thought it all came from out there, that external storm dictated to my life. And God said, no, 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 no. It's the internal condition of your heart dictates your actual life. Anyway, I said all of that to say this. You're not freaking out because you've got a storm on the outside. You're freaking out because you've got a storm on the inside. So I thought we'd see if we can do something about it today. Is that all right? With me? Let's go on a journey. Um, some people ask me, how long does it take you to put together a message like this? And I was like, I think it's about 28 years. So here's um, two waves I'm going to touch on this morning. And these are the waves that sometimes get in my boat and I've dealt with, dealt with over the years and God has spoken to me over the years through a lot of trial and failure. So hopefully I can save you getting swamped this morning. The first one, the first wave that I find jumps into the boat quick is worry. 
Or as somebody once said, this is the best definition of worry. Using your imagination to create something you don't want. Is that true? It's amazing how often we do it. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. Uh, I love the scripture in Philippians 4, 6. Favorite scripture on worry. Don't worry about anything. Oh, there you go. Good. Thanks for that, Lord. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I love it. Don't you love God? Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about it. Isn't that great? Now when you're doing counseling with people, Ruth, and they come in, sit down, and they tell you all their problems, you go, you know, don't worry about it. That'll be 80 bucks. Is that what you, do you charge? Is it 80 bucks? I don't know. That's crazy, isn't it? It's like, God, don't worry about it. Don't worry. This, it's, almost, it's anointed. I know it's a word of God. That's, it's anointed, but it really is. It really is. Don't worry about anything. Spit on the pulpit. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. The word that the whole Scripture hinges on, the axis of this whole Scripture, and it took me 28 years to figure it out, is the word instead. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. My daughter Bella now is a little bit older, but she used to work in McDonald's. And, and, and I said, darling, is, is it good? Is it fun working at McDonald's? She said, no, it can be difficult because when people order, they very often change their order. And I said, that's a bit of a pain. She, so, so she was telling me stories. So I can imagine her being there and a guy comes in to, to order a Big Mac and he comes in and says, I'll have a Big Mac. And she goes, oh, I'll go get it. And he says, oh, wait, wait, wait. Instead, I'll have a McFeast which is, it's a salad and a bun, but it's a healthy burger. And he says, instead, I'll have a McFeast. She goes over, she comes back, she says, oh, here's your McFeast. And he goes, oh, thanks. And she goes, and there's the Big Mac as well. And he goes, no, 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 sorry, you got me wrong. Instead of the Big Mac, uh, I want the McFeast. And she goes, oh, sorry, didn't get it. Goes away, comes back. She says, here's the McFeast and the Big Mac. And, and he goes, no, 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 I, don't, I think you're not quite understanding this. Instead of, the, and he Googles it up really quickly for her, looks at Webster's Dictionary, he says, instead of means in place of, or in standing of, or to replace, that's what instead means. So he says, can I have, instead of the Big Mac, can I have a McFeast? So she goes away and she comes back and she goes, there's a McFeast, sorry about that, and there's your Big Mac. You can imagine the guy, now I hope she didn't do that because she's a beautiful, bright girl. But it's almost like God's trying to get this through to us. Don't worry about anything. Any, and this is anything. Theatre of the mind. Instead, instead, in place of, in, in standing of, or replace worry, replace worry with prayer. I'm, I'm thinking of um, Indiana Jones, you know, and he's got the golden, you know, he's trying to steal the golden, you know, little Buddha thing and he's got the bag of sand. I want you to replace worry with prayer. This is the way I like to think about it. Let worry just be a reminder that you need to pray about something. I actually think sometimes that, that worry might actually be a counterfeit for prayer. That God's actually given you a little nudge about something. And, and God's saying, hey, I need to get my hands on something in your life. I need you to talk about, I need you to speak over this. I need you to ask me to 
get the Holy Ghost on this. We need to do something on this. And we immediately go, oh, that's right. And then we go, and we're about to give it to God. And we go, oh, no, actually, let me just try and figure out it in my head, God, over and over and over. And God's like, no, 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 no. I prompted you to pray about it. That's why you're thinking about it. And you go, and you're about to give it to him again. And you go, oh no, just a couple more days going over what could go wrong. <laughs> Let worry just be a reminder that you need to pray about something. You know, I used to read in the Bible because the Bible says pray continually. And I thought, that's ridiculous, God. And when I got this revelation, I thought, oh, great. Now I'm going to be praying about everything. And God's like, ha, ha, ha. See? Every worry that you've got, you're sitting here today, you've got worries coming into your heads, right? You've got worries and th- pray, 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 everything. Give it to God. Doesn't mean you have to go in your room and lock yourself in the closet pray all the time. Give it to Him. Thank you, God, your hands on that. Bless that. God, look after that all the time, like breathing in and breathing out. You're going to take worry and you're going to completely replace it with prayer. It's going to become your heavenly language constantly flowing out of your life. You sit, man, you start talking about getting a bilge pump and getting some water out of your boat. My gosh, it will utterly, utterly change your world. Then it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about anything. This makes me emotional. This tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. That's a peace of God here. Man, he's been wanting to get his hands on that stuff for so long in your life. And you keep blocking him out. And you go, no, let me give it another couple of days. I'll let you look at it, God, but don't touch it. This is my deal. There's a reason I'm like this, God. You can't help me. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand, which means you don't have to understand God's peace to have it. His peace, shivers, serious? His peace, or in other words, it's like God saying, the peace will guard your heart and your mind. The peace will guard your heart and your mind. Not your job. The peace will guard your heart and your mind. Your job, replace worry with prayer. Give it all to me. My job, I'll guard your heart and mind with the peace. It's wonderful. It's an old proverb that says, let the peace of Christ umpire your heart. I was watching tennis with my daughter once and she said, what is, what is that guy on the, the, the seat do in the middle of the court? And I said, that's the umpire. She said, what does he do? And I said, his job is to decide what is in and what is out, no matter how much the players complain. Let the peace of God umpire your heart. Let peace decide what's in and what's out. If it's making you freak out, give it to God. Good. But you might be watching this today. I flipped into television thing. You might be sitting here today. Um, it happens. Just you got to separate the two worlds. Some world. I said, I was doing this thing the other day. It was on something as a piece of art or something. I, it was. It wasn't Channel Seven. I think it was TVSN. And I said, and you could see like this person was talking about this artwork. And I, and I said, and the light shine, I said, it looks like, like the glory shining down on. And I said, the glory. And the lady looked at me like that. And I said, Glor, glorious, glorious sunlight. I was like, <laughs> you imagine she's going, the glory? Like of God? And I was like, okay, sorry. 
went down a different track. <laughs> anyway, but you might be sitting here today or watching, streaming, that could work, and saying, okay, okay, but this is not going to work for me. God's not going to give me that sort of peace because I've got deals going on in my life that are my fault. I stuffed it up. I messed this whole thing up. So I don't deserve the peace of God and I sure as heck don't deserve God's help because I keep stuffing it up on purpose. I know what I'm doing and I keep on doing it and I wouldn't mind stop doing it. I wouldn't mind to try, but it's too late. He's not going to help me with this. I'm so glad you brought it up. Jesus is teaching on worry. It's amazing. God in the flesh comes to earth and He, and he teaches on worry. How, really? I thought He'd be teaching on really deep, heavenly things. And He goes, let me tell you about worry. This is amazing. And He says this. Now, this is in Matthew 6, 25, 26, 28 to 30. There's a lot there, NIV. And I'll take a breath. And He says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. It's the same as the other one. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or your body, what you're going to wear. Look at the birds of the air. Look at them. Look at them. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he takes another breath and he goes, now look at the flowers of the field. They don't labour or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, thrown into the fire, uh, will he not? So much more clothe you, O you of little faith. I've read that dozens of times and it's always bothered the heck out of me. I've always thought, that's a soft message, Lord. It's just soft. It's like, it's like you know, you're worried about serious stuff in your life and Jesus is going, look at the birds. They're all right. Look at the flowers. They're all right. You're going to be all right. And, you know, it's like, oh, that's just a soft message. Flowers and birds, boys. Flowers and birds. Walking around. I think Jesus like really hippie style. Sometimes. Flowers and birds. And, and it wasn't until I actually read this a little while ago, because He understands why we worry. We worry because we don't think we deserve to be helped. Because they're our mistakes that we're in the mess that we're in. We should have invested. We should have bought that. Shouldn't have sold that. We should have said that. We shouldn't have said that. It's constant. That's why we're in the mess. But he actually focuses, the focus is not on the flowers of birds. First of all, when he's talking about the birds of the air, and then he says, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. Crazy. And then when he's talking about the flowers, he goes, they don't labour, they don't spin, they don't work for it. In other words, he's going, they don't deserve it, yet I still look after them. It's like, you sneaky Pete. How is that, Jesus? That's amazing. The whole focus of this teaching on not worrying is like, they don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. You're never going to get it right, but I'm still going to look after you. I'm still going to look after you. You're still going to be all right. It's amazing, isn't it? Okay. I'll finish on this one here with worry. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Wow, we don't think it. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. You know when the world gives you peace? The world gives you peace when you've got a lot of money in the bank, when your relationships are perfect, when the sun's shining, you're drinking your perfect coffee, everybody loves you, you got all the green lights, everything's good, then you got peace. And it always bothered me. Jesus said, I'll give you peace. I don't give as the world gives. See, the world gives you peace when you deserve it. 
Jesus saying, I'll give you peace when you don't. You'll have this immense amount of peace like we just read, a peace that passes all understanding when you don't deserve it, when there's a storm raging. You'll have this peace you don't understand. You'll be like, ah, sleeping on a cushion, relaxed and chilled, and your life will flow from it. And you start to see things change in the storm. And you start to see your relationships change. The way you speak will change. The way you act will change. The way you think. And everything will change because he's doing it from the inside out. Let worry just be a reminder. You need to pray about something. Okay, cool. That's the first wave. Is that all right? That would change your world, right? Don't wrestle with that thing. Or every worry, prayer, every worry. Do that Indiana Jones swap over. I don't want it all the time. Replace. Do it. If you want the peace. If you don't want the peace, knock yourself out. Do something else. If you want the peace. The second wave. Oh, I hate talking about this one. Is comparison. It's a doozy, man. Hebrews 12 one says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. This is crazy that Paul, we believe it's Paul here who wrote Hebrews, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and he's like saying, that this is like his secret to living a great life. He's saying life's kind of like a race. And if you want to run a good one, one tip, one tip, run your own. That's his, that's his big revelationary tip. This guy knew the Holy Ghost. He's going, this is my tip for running a great life. Run your own one. And I think that's bizarre. It's almost like he, he's suggesting that we would perhaps run other people's or get in other people's lanes I mean, or just have a little bit of a peek ski. This is, this is madness. It's almost like he's, he's suggesting, but by the terminology of this, that you've gone on your marks, you set, go, and you're off, you're running and, and your life's going good and carrying on. And then all of a sudden you'll have a little, you have a little sneaky peek in someone else's lane. And then you go, how did they get a promotion? How do they get a promotion when I've been here for 20 years, slogging it out, that they would get so far ahead? And by the wording he's using, he's suggesting by actually running your own race, he's suggesting that not only you'd have a little look, that you'd actually get so preoccupied with this other person that's getting all this favour for no reason that you'd actually get into their lane. And now their success becomes a measuring stick of how you're going in life. And you're constantly comparing every little step that you take with all the stuff that's happening with them. You're like, and then it gets weird. And it's like, I know how, why they're so far ahead. I know why they're getting promotions because they're brown nosed and they're always kissing people's backsides. That's I'm sorry. But you know what, with the way we think, that's why they're so far ahead. And then you come to church on Sunday and you're back in your lane for a day. Oh God, I love you, God. And then you're talking to someone having a coffee outside. And they said, yeah, we just paid our house off. And it's like, all of a sudden you're looking in their lane. How did you pay your house off? How the heck did they pay their house off? It's ridiculous. And then you hear, and then you hear the worst thing in the world. Oh, you got an inheritance. Boom, boom. Now you're in their lane. 
I'll never get money given to me. How come they got an inheritance? Now the whole house is paid off. Uh, but I wish they wouldn't go on about it. Gee, they go on about it a lot, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Do I want to come around? No, I don't want to bloom and come around. Yeah, of course I do. Now we have to pretend we want to come around for a coffee. That's the last thing we want to see is you take us through a guided tour through the house that you now own without a debt. You know, it's crazy. We're on this line. Here's the thing. We hate those people ahead, but we love the people way back, don't we? You know, someone who was 150 kilos, now they're 149. They've lost a kilo. It's like, good on you. I'm praying for you. Oh, what a blessing you are. Oh, you're amazing. But as soon as they come up close, as soon as they get in front of you, you know, and now they're fitter than you, it's like, oh, gee. They look a bit gaunt, don't they? They look gaunt. It's like, hold on. Oh, it's like they're obsessed. Oh, they've lost their bum. You know, it's just, oh, it's terrible. You know, they look a bit masculine. Yeah, they're, you know, it's crazy. We go mad with this stuff. And you go, God, you're never talking to me. God, why aren't you speaking to me? Because you never blew it at home long enough for God to speak to you. Because God speaks to you about a little thing about maybe not, yeah, we'll work on the gossip, huh? Maybe we'll do a little bit of that. Or maybe we'll give a little bit. Or maybe we'll do this and this. God, what's the point, God. Everyone's so far ahead. I'll never catch him by doing this stupid little thing you're telling me to do. So I'm not going to do it. Since some of us, <laughs> let's go down this track. Some of us haven't just got one or two lanes. Some of us have got dozens. Some of us are not satisfied with people in real life that we know to visit their lanes and compare our kids to theirs and that kind of thing. You know what it's like. Hey, your kids, all A's? Oh, it's great. What's, what, what's my son doing? He's, yeah, he's just playing with Lego. <laughs> yeah, he's 19. He's good. And then you come home, I'm going to smash that flipping Death Star, go out and get a job. You know, it's, it's because you've got all this comparison going all the time. And some of us, yeah, we're not just happy with people we know. Now we're on social media to find more lanes to get in. Let's find another lane. I hate telling this story. Selena hates me telling it. We were watching TV a while ago. You know, glass of wine, tie, great night, Friday night, raining outside, watching a great show, snuggle up. And Selena's sort of got one eye on the TV, one eye on your phone. You know how you do it. It's a gift. And um, she goes, <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm watching, watching the show, and she goes, they're in Bali again. <laughs> and I said, I said, the, the what? She goes, they're in Bali again. And I said, it's probably photos from the same trip they've just reposted. And she goes, nah, different resort. I'm like, really? I said, give us your phone. And I look at the phone. I'm going, all right, oh, whatever, good on them. And then um, we carry on watching the show. And in my head, I'm going, gee, Bali twice. How do you get to Bali twice in a year? They must have got a deal. Oh, they got two kids. We got three. Why do I have three? You can't go with three. It's so expensive to travel anywhere with three kids. It's crazy. And they've got good money. How do they get that much money? Why don't I have that kind of money? When was the last time we went overseas? It's been ages. God, what's the deal? Why aren't doors opening for me, God, like they should be? And it's like 20 seconds ago, I was having the best night of my life. And now I'm like, you hate me, God. You hate me because they've been to Bali. This is just, it's utter madness. Get your phone. I don't know. You know, if you're being entertained by somebody online, I don't need to tell you. Great. It's fun. But if you're in their lane and you know they are, especially if it's someone you don't know, 
<laughs> it just gets, it's crazy. We're following superstars we don't know and we're like in their lane. <sighs> I hate telling this story, I'm going to tell it. Because it makes me sound like a crazy person. I first started at Channel 9 many years ago, now probably close to 20 years, what would it be? 17 years ago, maybe something like that. And when I started, I thought it was the greatest job in the world and I loved it and I was super blessed by it. And I, um, and uh, yeah, I was getting to travel the world and meet all very famous people, people I've always wanted to meet. And I was so blessed and I was, God, I was all about God. I was like, you're amazing. You bless me. You put me in this place. And um, every door was opening. It was just like, this is Amazing! It was a, called the Carrie Ann Show, and it was just incredible. We were the only morning show running for some time, so we just had every star coming on. It was it was just incredible. And I was there for about two years, and and then another guy started at the network. And I believe God brought someone in with exactly the same first name to make it more painful for me to teach me a lesson. So this guy Jamie Jury started <laughs> at the same network as me, and and. Look, we were having success with the morning show, but his show, Backyard Whatever, Backyard Blitz, it was a juggernaut. It was a just, it just smashed all the ratings. It was so big. And I remember he'd been there about a year and I was like, wow, that's a popular show. That's, that really is big. And he was like, he was the golden boy of the network. And I remember um, he, he was going to come on our morning show to do a chat. And some of the girls in the office, they were like, oh, Jamie's coming in this morning. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And they said, oh, he's, he's so handsome. And I said, oh, he's a bit short. And um, <laughs> just stuff, you know, coming out. Been swamped. Now stuff was coming out. And they said, oh, but it's such a great show. And I said, yeah, if you like gardening. And this is, and, you, and you're probably thinking, Jamie, this is before you're a Christian. It's like, no, oh, I was in ministry. Do a preaching, doing stuff. Shocking, shocking. And so, um, and so I'm going, yeah, saying all this kind of stuff. And he came on the show and it got worse because then he started doing, what was the block or something after that? And that was even bigger. And it went on and on. I was like, oh God. Oh my gosh, I started doing that. I got in his lane and his success became the measuring stick of how I was doing. And I was like, God, why aren't doors opening for me? Why aren't things happening for me, God? I should be hosting that show instead. This, I was like, God, you hate me. You, you shut me down here. You've locked me, God. You got me stuck. This is madness, right? I sound like a crazy person. Like, God, what's going on? Am I not proud enough? He's not giving. I'm giving, God. Now these doors aren't opening for me. And it got worse and worse and worse. And I got angrier and angrier and angrier about my life. It was about a year later and we were doing the Logies and um, they said, uh, Jamie, you've got to go down to the Logies with everyone. I said, oh, that's great. Am I, uh, am I in a, one of the tables? And, and, um, and uh, the person running it said, no, we want you to go down and just do the after party interviews. Ugh. So I was like, oh, Whatever. So I flew down to Melbourne with everybody and I was staying at a hotel across the road from, it's in Melbourne, normally at a place called the Crown Casino. They moved it, Queensland, but it always used to be the Crown Casino. And I was staying in this room. I dropped my bags in my room. I walked over to the curtains, opened the curtains of the room I was staying and I was looking down directly on to the red carpet. I was like on the third or fourth floor. Yeah, they put me in a low floor as well, whatever. You hate me, God. And I'm looking directly onto the red carpet where all the limousines were showing up. 
And I was like, whatever. And I was getting changed. I was about to jump into the shower and, and I felt God say to me, pray for them. And I was like, <sighs> okay. So I'm standing there. I was like, first limo shows up. People get out, home and away people, whatever they are. And I was like, God, pray they have a good night. Bless them, bless them. And then the next one showed up and I'm like, God, bless them. Bless them, pray they have a good night. Next limo shows up. God, pray, because it's a long procession. God, bless them. Pray they have a good night. Pray they have a good night. I actually was, I've thought about it since, and I thought, gee, I hope nobody actually looked up <laughs> and saw, isn't that that guy from the Kerryan show? Because I'm standing there just in my undies like this on the mirror. God, bless them. Just pray for them. <laughs> it's ruined the anointing. But anyway, it would have been odd. Pray for the blessing, God bless him. God, pray they have a great night. It's about an hour, hour and a half and I'm doing this for. Long time being obedient to God. And then his limo shows up. And it's a stretch hummer, how ostentatious. And it's like, oh, so showy. And they all, backyard blitz people, jump out of their stretch limo. And, and I was like, have a good night. God, pray, bless them, have a good night. And I was stepped away from the window and I felt God say, pray for him what you'd pray for yourself. I was like, you hate me, God. I don't want to do it, one, because I pray some great stuff for myself, like really good stuff. And two, I was like, I don't want you to bring it to pass. So <laughs> I having this argument, it's just like you to make it happen. Then it makes it even worse. So I was sort of forwards and backwards a couple of times and I was like, all right, God, I pray. I remember the first line of I pray, all his dreams come to pass. And I was saying, bless his family, bless his relationships. And the hardest one of all, I was like, bless, bless him financially, God. Bless him financially. And he's got more than enough. And all of a sudden I started just, praying blessing over his life. And the weirdest thing happened, weirdest thing happened. I swear, it was like, I could liken it only to like a, a fisherman's hook, fishing hook with a barb on it. Went out of my guts like that. That's what exactly I feel like. I was like, wow, this amazing, amazing sense of freedom. It went from dark to light. It went from in to out. And it was like, oh, shivers, what's that? Wow, that's amazing. It took me a couple of years to figure out what that was. It probably took me around about, I'm going to be honest, close to 10 years to figure out exactly what that was. It was bizarre. And I knew it was the stay in your lane thing and I got that. Scripture in Luke 6.28 says this, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Bless basically means to speak well of. Curse means to speak negatively of. And I was thinking, I was, like, was he cursing me? I don't think he was going home and throwing chicken bones on the table and covering himself with goat's blood. But I, um, when I thought about him, I spoke negatively about myself in my head. When I saw his life, I spoke negatively about my own life. And it's amazing that God would bring that to me and go, you need to bless this situation. So I don't know whose lane you're in. But if you want to know how to get out, you're not going to like it. Bless them, God. Bless them. Make all their dreams come to pass. Better than they could have imagined. Bless them financially. Protect them. Look after. Bless them too. I don't know how many lanes are in. Bless them. 
Bless them, God. Look after them. Bless them. And when somebody asks you about them, oh, that's great. They paid their house off. Good on them. They got an inheritance. That's pretty good, isn't it? And that's it. You speak, you are free. You are absolutely free. Let worry just be a reminder you need to pray about something. And bless those who you feel are cursing you in your head. And that's how you sleep in a storm. 28 years to figure that out. But you'll live free. And I don't know how much water you got in your boat or you feel like you've been drowning and you feel like the storm's got in the inside. Those two things, worry and comparison, can take so many boats down. It'd be amazing to live in that incredible freedom. Let me pray for you as we finish. Do you know what I'm going to do right at the end? I'm going to pray for you now. And I think right at the end, if you want prayer afterwards, Pastor Chris, if this is all right, and we'll dismiss everyone, I think. If you want prayer, come up. And I think the comparison thing is a thing today. I really feel like it is. And you've been hooked onto somebody else's trailer. It's like a hook. See, like on the back of someone's pants, you're hooked on there. It's like they're dragging you through life. It's like time to live your life. You are only responsible to produce what is inside of you. That's it. That is it. That's the only thing God is holding you responsible to, what He put inside of you. Let me pray for you this morning as we wrap up too. Maybe you're here today and you, um, yeah, band, thanks, dudes. You don't know the Lord. And maybe you were listening to that this morning and thought, oh my gosh, man, this God sounds amazing. He sounds dangerous, but amazing. He is. It's amazing that all the things He asks us to do, the result will always be freedom. You go, oh, it's a bit hard. But the result will be empowerment and freedom for you to live a life you couldn't imagine you could live. <clears throat> so if you're here this morning, you've never prayed a prayer that's asked the Lord into your life. Maybe you've grew up in a Christian church or a religious church and you've you fallen away from God and you don't know Him. I, I love talking to you because I had 15, 14 years, 14 years of being away from the Lord. I used to go and sit in the back of old churches I would look up the front, but I would never come close. <clears throat> and I would always leave early because I didn't think God wanted me because I wasn't living a life that I thought He would approve of. So I would distance myself from God. I didn't know that His arms were open because nobody told me. But I'll tell you, His arms are open to you. They're wide open to you. They're never going to get any more open to you this morning. So maybe if it's your first time here or first time in a long time, His arms are open to you. He wants to hold you. He wants to love you. He wants to remind you that you're amazing. You've got an incredible future. And He wants to turn you into the person you've only ever dreamed of. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, what I want you to do if that's if that's you here this morning, you want to be included in this prayer, I'm not going to take you anywhere or anything weird. It's just, I really want you to pray this prayer that invites the Lord into your life. If that's you here this morning and you want to be included in that prayer, in three seconds, I want, to, I want you to slip your hand up real quick. Three, two, one. Just slip your hand up real quick and go, yeah, Jamie, that's me. I want you to pray for me. 
I want to be included in this prayer. Beautiful, beautiful. Awesome. Anyone else saying, yeah, that's me, Jamie. I invite the Lord. Awesome. Great stuff. Who else is there going, yeah, that's me, Jamie. Oh, I can feel the presence of God. And uh, I'd like to say He's here for me, but He's here for you. Always in this time in a meeting, you feel the presence of God increase. He wants you to get a taste of how much presence He wants you to have in His life, in your life. He wants to pour into you. Like Byron was saying this morning, He wants to pour into you. Anyone else? Anyone else going, yeah, Jamie, that's me. I want to be included in this prayer as well. I'll give you 10 more seconds. If you're away from God and you want to come back this morning, going, yeah, Jamie, that's me. Five seconds. Beautiful. Wonderful. You know, if your heart's beating fast, that's you because that's not normal. Wonderful. With your eyes closed, I want to pray this prayer. Just pray this after me. This is your prayer to God. I want everyone in here to pray this so nobody feels weird on their own. Ready? Pray this after me. Father in heaven, ask Jesus into my life. I ask to be born again. Forgive me of my past. Thank you for my future. Fill me with your spirit today. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.